What's up, sober family? Welcome to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye, the podcast for newly sober people who are learning to love ourselves instead of booze. And I realized that I needed to take care of myself first before I could take care of anybody else. And I think we all know that, right? You go on an airplane and they yeah. tell you to take the oxygen mask first and put it on yourself. But I wasn't doing that. I was tr trying so hard and I think just so desperately because I knew how tough this struggle had been for me. I just wanted to help my daughter so much. And I wanted to, and I, again, have a wellness business. I help people, I just love to help people. But I realized that if I didn't take care of myself first, I was no good to myself, my daughter, my business, my family, like anything. On this episode, Al and I welcome Moira Gorski, a registered nurse, health and wellness business owner and podcast host of Juggling the Chaos of Recovery, which we'll learn more about in just a minute. I'm your host, Dana Kroll. I'm a former army chaplain who developed a toxic relationship with alcohol after leaving the military. I stayed on a roller coaster of rock bottoms, recoveries and relapses until finally, in the winter of 2022, I found my way out of the cycle by connecting with people like you. After kissing alcohol goodbye, my goal is to never go back, but I can't do it alone. So let's break up with booze together. With me in the studio, as always, is Al K. Holfrey, my spirit animal for sobriety. And we'll see if he, uh, looks over at me during the episode today like he's done in previous ones. <laughs> today, we've also opened up the studio to I Kissed Alcohol Goodbye Premium members to listen in and join the conversation live via chat. And that's just one of six perks that premium members get for only $6 a month. So to learn about all the benefits, follow the link to supercast.com in the show notes. And now let's get to it. Welcome, Moira. So glad to have you here on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. It's so good, so good to be here with you and your owl. Yes, <laughs> I love owl that. Is, owl is excited. He and I are in the process of getting caffeinated and are ready to hear more about your story of recovery and just what you do now and what's next for you in your journey. Yeah, yeah. Well, I um, again, it's been great to be connected with you. I love how, um, which you'll hear about with my podcast, how I've just been able to connect with awesome people and. Um, not by me. I think it's just, I know it's the whole universe bringing us all together. So yeah. um, my background or my story basically is that I'm a mom, uh, four kids. Now they're 27 all the way down to 19. Um, but I went to school to be a nurse. Well, I went to school to study chemistry and then I ended up uh, becoming a nurse. Uh, but during those college years, um, I had some struggles you know, it's, I think it's kind of the typical thing that like we, a lot of times we go away to school and we go away from mom and dad and like, got to make our own decisions. And sometimes we're good with that. And sometimes we're not so good. And not, not that I wasn't so good at that, but I, um, I didn't have a great, like, I didn't have a close relationship with my mom that I, cause I remember struggling and like, just being kind of like, okay, in the midst of college and all of the pressures and things like that with, you know, a new boyfriend that I had and the academics and the kid, you know, your friends want to drink. And I was raised very conservative and you just didn't do any of that stuff. And, you, and I went to a nice conservative school, but still, you know, you're away from home and getting involved in all that kind of stuff. And yeah. I just didn't have that, like, hey, call up my mom, like, hey, mom, I'm having a hard time. Let's talk about this. Can you listen and all that? And my mom, God rest her soul, is a great gal, but she's just kind of, she's a little judgmental. And I always felt like if I, if I wasn't doing things the way that she thought it should be, there'd be that, well, why'd you do it that way? And why are you doing that? And so mm. I just didn't have that closeness with her. And during those struggles is when I started to develop an eating disorder. And, you know, as I've interviewed 
so many people over the last two and a half years in my podcast, I would say that it wasn't that bad, but, and it, it, it wasn't in that it didn't go into a lifelong treatment and things like that. But I think I never want to negate anybody's struggle. And so I don't want to do that with mine either. Cause I know that it was, there was a struggle and I didn't feel like, I felt like things were getting out of control in my life. And that's the time that you start to grab onto something that you feel like you can control you know, or that you can numb away your feelings. And I grabbed on to controlling the food that I ate or that I didn't eat. And so that's when I had my struggles with an eating disorder. Um, Thank God for some friends that saw my struggles and said, why don't you go talk to somebody? Why don't you go talk to somebody? You know, you have free counseling at school and you could go and, you know, I was in nursing. I had taken psych classes. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm good. I, you know, I don't, I know what they're going to ask me and whatever, but I finally made my way into one of those offices and that helped me with that time. And so, um, I went on, moved to Chicago, became a nurse, medical sales. That's what I did for the bulk of my career. Um, met the guy that I married and we started to have kids and, um, went on with life and, um, all was good. And, um, I ended up starting my own business. I helped people just live healthier lives in the wellness space. But I think what is most important is as my life went on and our kids grew up and as our daughter was in um, high school, she started to have a lot of the same struggles that I had had in college. She started to develop an eating disorder when she was in high school. And um, it really took me by surprise. You know, life is busy. And we saw, you know, it just, it really took me. I remember the night that we were out to dinner, my, um, Husband was out of town with one of our kids in a hockey tournament, and I had my daughter here and our younger son. And we were out to dinner, and I just kind of caught her, like, kind of playing around with her food and, like, like appearing that she was eating, but, like, she really wasn't. And and I just, I was just like, what? Because I noticed that behavior, and I was like, what's going on? And I had seen she had lost some weight. She was a little, she was stressed out and stuff like that. But I just never imagined. But uh, we went home after dinner and I put my little guy to bed and went into her her room and um, she was in the bathroom. And that was the time that we could like open up flip phones and you didn't have to have a, a password or anything like that. And I started looking at her phone and like the conversation with a friend about, oh, yeah, we had to go out to dinner, but I didn't really want to eat. And, oh, I wanted to go to the gym and I wanted to work like all these things that I was like, what is going on? You know, she came into the room and uh, I just was like, what's up? And this is a girl that was, you know, she had like index cards all over her, her, um, her wall with like positive sayings and like pictures of herself smiling with her friends and things like that. And um, again, it just seemed like I I just, it really took me by surprise, but we got a chance to talk about things. Um, It seems like so long ago that that's when that happened, but as I started to help her out and get her the help that she needed. And again, she's, I let her, she's now 23. She's in a really great spot in a recovery. And so I let her tell her story, but what I started to feel, I felt like my past was repeating itself in front of my face. And I knew the pain that I had been through years ago. And I was like, wow, here's my daughter going through the same thing. And like, what is this? And like, when that was happening like that, I had to go, I found myself a therapist to just start to process through that. Cause that was a fairly scary time. 
for us. And um, again, like I said, it's, it's my daughter's story to tell. And um, if you're interested in, we've got a couple of great, um, got a great interview with my daughter on myself on my podcast. Oh, cool. But I started to, again, it was a tough time for me as a mom. And again, I'm the wellness guru. I'm the nurse and stuff like that. But all of that stress started to impact me, impact my health. I was having a hard time sleeping. I was having a hard time getting up in the morning and being in the world and things like that. And again, those friends came, not the same friends, but some friends came into my life and said, hey, you got to start taking care of yourself because we see that you're trying so hard to help your daughter and you got to go take care of yourself. And yeah. so I started to do that after a few years. I mean, she went to college for about a month. That didn't work. She went into treatment, in and out of treatment. It was just, she's been in so many treatment facilities. It was really a really, really hard time. So my friend said, you better go take care of yourself. So I did. I started to take some, you know, go on some retreats and um, see some energy healers and like things that I didn't even know about, but I was just following the lead of like my friends Like go to this person, help me, this person helped my friend and, and all that. And I realized that I needed to take care of myself first before I could take care of anybody else. And I think we all know that, right? You go on an airplane and they yeah. tell you to take the oxygen mask first and put it on yourself. But I wasn't doing that. I was tr trying so hard. And I think just so desperately, because I knew how tough this struggle had been for me. I just wanted to help my daughter so much. And I wanted to, and I, again, have a wellness business. I help people. I just love to help people. But I realized that if I didn't take care of myself first, I was no good to myself, my daughter, my business, my family, like anything. And so I started to go on this journey of, you know, what self-care looks like and what taking care of myself looks like and what I need and boundaries and all of that kind of stuff for many, many years. And I still work on it today. Um, and that was part of the reason why, as I learned all those things, that was part of the reason why I just got this idea to start a podcast. Cause I was like, wow, I've learned so much. Like, what if I could share that with other people? And then even with the people that I met, like when I went on retreats and things like that, like everybody's got a story. I mean, you know that, like yeah. everybody has a story and there's so much hope in those stories. Like when we, I believe there's such power in our stories that we shouldn't be ashamed of what our past has been. We should share that with others so that people can see that they're not alone. And so that was kind of the, I kept getting that idea. Like, how can I share more of my story of sitting on this side of being the mother, the caregiver of somebody struggling and what am I supposed to do? And also sharing those stories from, you know, from others. And so that was the start of my podcast um, two and a half years ago, right before the world shut down. Yeah. I launched it and um, and it uh, it worked in my favor because everybody was at home then. So I had lots of people to interview and lots of people were available for that. But it was that, um, again, that was really, I just wanted to share and I continue to do that today. I just want to share the stories of hope. And make people feel like, just like you're doing, like you're not alone. We should like get together and support each other. And I felt like perhaps that's what I could do by getting on the mic and sharing my story and um, sharing what other people have gone through and how they've recovered and how they've gotten through their life. Well, I love your show. And it's, I have not, I need to listen to the episode of your interview with your daughter, but um I, I love your show because it's about recovery in general, you know, and this show obviously being focused on mostly on alcohol, but it's not about, it's like Dr. Rob Kelly said in um, 
your interview with him uh, just recently where he says, it's not the alcohol, it's not the eating disorder, it's not the porn, it's not the whatever, it's the underlying issues that, you know, are common. Mm-hmm. It, it, that, that's the real, the real problem is the trauma that's underlying or, or whatever. And so um, thank you for well, doing that about recovery, you know, juggling the chaos of yeah. recovery in uh, that recoveries are different, but recoveries are also, there's a lot of similarities there. There's, yeah. And I've really noticed, cause I started again with that focus of eating disorders, but I've been led to so many different people with again, different things that they're recovering from, recovering from life overload and all kinds of things. I mean, there's a great one by a physician who just got caught up in life and being the best in the doctor. And she started taking prescription drugs. I mean, it it plays out like a TV movie. I mean, it's pretty, pretty something. But she said that I was just, I'm recovering from my life of overwhelm. And I have seen that like, underlying or just that common theme throughout all of these stories that it isn't it's it's just what we're choosing to deal with what we're dealing with in life be it that we're numbing ourselves out with drugs or alcohol or um the feeling of fullness or emptiness or whatever the case is but it's what's happening underneath it and that i remember that again with my college years i felt like i was out of control so what can you grab onto i grabbed onto what i could control Um, So there's all that just it's that common theme. So you'll see with my podcast, as you listen to it, there's all kinds of different um, people that I've shared their stories and there's stuff about women's empowerment. And, you know, just like all goes along with it. Just like how can we take care of ourselves and um, be the best version of ourselves, you know, for the world? Can you tell me more about what that's looked like for you as a mom? Because I can't imagine, you know, having gone through. I, I mean, I'm a dad and I have a heart for our boys that, you know, uh, that only a dad can have, but only a mom can have a heart. And I'm married to a mom of three boys who, um, you know, I'm just trying to picture what it would be like for her or or for me to go to see our our boys going through something that maybe we went through and not doing the reflexive, what I feel like would be a reflex of what, what I think you did. I think I would do exactly what you did, which is like, I've got to do everything I possibly can, but tell me more about what it looked like for you. And I'm getting like a little choked up talking about this. Cause I'm, I'm just, just trying to fathom how much like that must've how difficult that must've been for you as a, as a mom and how you guys went through that together as a family. Can you tell me more of how you finally, how you learned to prioritize yourself first? Because that, that is, does seem to be the key thing in recovery that I'm struggling with. Yeah. Well, I, it, I think it's, yeah, I think it's, <clears throat> we're not necessarily modeled that, right. Um, right. Yeah. To, to, to take care of ourselves, we got to, we got to have it all together and we've got to get you know, we got to, And even as a mom, like I was blessed to be able to stay home, have my children, raise them. Um, and, you know, I had my home-based business, but I did that a little bit. My main focus was my kids. And so, um, you know, that's just what you do. And so, and just even the idea that you would have some time to take care of yourself or like, you said before we went on, like I've been up, I've taken a walk with my girlfriend, I've gotten some tea, I've had my time. Um, I would have never done that before. You get up and the kids get up and you got to get right yeah. going. Yeah. Um, but um, really what that 
that means for me and what I learned, again, is so important, is what can I do for me? And it's not selfish to say, okay, I'm going to go for a walk this morning and you, husband, take care of the kids. Now, nobody's here except for my daughter who's 23. And so she can take care of herself. But, you know, if if you've got the small kids at home, like you've got to set those boundaries to say, okay, I'm going to go take a bath or I'm going to go for a walk. You take care of the kids, that kind of thing. And so for me, it's really become my morning routine. And it's been a little off this morning because I've hopped on here. Yeah. Uh, but usually my morning routine is... Um, finding time really by myself and doing a little bit of reading. Like I've got a audacious prayers book that has prayers that I read every day. And then there's little journaling prompts. I have a gratitude journal. Um, So I do some reading, some writing. Um, I usually pull a meditation out of insight timer. um, That's kind of like, I've got a couple of my favorite like meditation people there. So I'll do some wake up ones or gratitude or just, maybe put on some ambient music to just kind of sit and um, just spending that time. And sometimes it's 10 minutes. Sometimes it's longer than that, just depending on how much time I have. And sometimes, again, I'll just kind of start to reflect on my day. What's the day going to look like? What do I really want to accomplish? But really starting with some quietness for me. Um, And again, really that gratitude of like, even if it was a crappy crappy night or, you know, just the, hey, I'm glad my dog's by my side or I'm glad I have a you know, warm and secure home and things like that. I've just found that being trying to get ourselves out of that chaos and out of that cloud of life and saying, okay, but what, what, there's always something to be grateful for. So I spend time there and then it's always some kind of movement, if you will. So it's going for a walk with a friend, walk with my dog, going to the health club, my favorite boxing class or yoga or something like that. And then, and then there's some kind of nutrition in there too, because again, I was, I'm the nutrition guru, if you will. And, you know, I rep, I help people get on a good plan of eating well and supplementation and all that stuff. And I had fallen off with that too. And so I learned that, you know, there's certain nutrients that I need for good general health, but also to deal with stress of life. So again, I got really specific. I learned a lot more about adrenal fatigue and stress and things like that. And so I have my, when I start my day that way, my days go so much better. Again, it's hard to do sometimes because again, even if you have, if you're got little kids, they're getting up and they're getting on you and oh, they want to bother you and stuff like that. But trying to really carve out that time has made such a big difference for me. And I used to, you know, I was raised again by a woman, very stoic. Um, She just got you know, got things done. She just did it. And Mm. I learned through some of those courses that I took is that I don't really ask for help much (laughs) because, you know, we just get it done, right? You just show up, you get it done. Um, Because I felt like when you ask for help, and even when I would ask for help from my mom, I kind of like it made me feel like I was in a in inadequate, not capable and stuff like that. And so, um, I didn't ask for help. Well, then I learned that like, it's okay to ask for help, but I like to also say, I'm just asked for some, some support or just, you know, again, calling my friend. She just got a cute little dog. I want to see her dog and we want to go for a walk. So let's go for a walk. That's a form of, again, self-care, taking care of myself. But I say that I'm just asking for a little bit of support. You know, okay. hey, you want to go for a movie with me? I just need to get out of my house. Or um, I am going to go to that 
yoga class or go for a run or, Hey, can we sit down and talk about this? It's just that kind of like, what do I need for myself? And again, asking for that. And sometimes it's being with other people, kind of like what you're doing with this form. Like, Hey, let's get together. Let's talk about it. Instead of telling my daughter that she should go to her support groups. I need to go to my support groups. Like I got to go to the Al-Anon groups or finding my women's support groups that are online and stuff like that. So that's been such a big part of my journey. And again, I feel better because even one of my girlfriends said, well, how can you be so happy? Like your daughter's in such a bad spot. I'm like, I know. And, you know, we all start to believe that like we can only be as happy as our most struggling kid, right? I had never heard that expression until... I, th- I think uh, some other podcast the other day or something that I listened to. And I hope, oh, isn't that interesting that we become so wrapped up in taking care of them, which is not a bad thing to want to care for your your kids. Mm-hmm. But if I don't, I mean, I always said that I practice, this is another thing that I preached and never practiced when I was, you know, a minister and a chaplain was, you know, you got to take care of yourself first. And uh, so that, so that you can, you know, my cup can't, you know, an empty cup can't run over, can't right. run over. Right. And so, uh, it's something that I have, uh, that I am learning how to do among the chaos of my recovery. Um, I have a wonderful question here from one of our, uh, premium members who is oh. tuning in live. Uh, she asks, she says, I've been coming to a realization lately as I've been in therapy that I had an eating disorder as a young adult. Um, in high school and into my early 20s. So she says, what advice does Moira have for how to parent my teens and to not transfer our body body image and fear? Dysmorphia. Yeah, Mm -hmm. dysmorphia. That's what I'm looking for. Thank you. I find myself sometimes wanting to advise my teen on what not to eat, but I'm scared that it would make them have a bad relationship with food. I don't want to put the idea in their head that eating is bad and skinny is everything. So that's a thank you for our- uh, That's a great question. Yeah, a great question. And um, it's really hard today because like you go on Instagram, you go on, you see the magazines, all of that stuff. It's all about, you know, how you look and stuff like that. And um, I think the best thing that we can do as parents and as moms is to be the example. You know, if you are struggling, because again, that's why I got myself into therapy because people are like, I, I mean, I wasn't triggered to to get back to any of my bad eating habits but it triggered me emotionally. So I needed to go and take care of myself there. So I always say, if you feel like you've got some need to kind of talk through that, go find somebody to talk to about that. But also I feel like we can be the living example for them of what it looks like to, to take care of ourselves and yes, to eat healthy, but also to, that it's okay to have a brownie or cookie to not, I mean, we need to be that because they're watching, you know, they're watching everything that we do. And, but being open about it, even one of my sons said to me, as I started to talk about my eating disorder, they're like, mom, why didn't you tell us that you had that? And I'm like, well, I feel like I've really come through it and I don't struggle with a lot of that. So I didn't feel like I needed to talk about it. But once I could talk about I felt like I should talk about it because it was helping other people. When my friend's daughter started to struggle and my daughter started to struggle, I started to talk about it. So again, we you have to make the choices yourself if how much you share about what you went through. But I think what I've tried to do and what I've learned with the Gorskis is that we don't always talk about our feelings yeah. and that hasn't led to great things. So the more that you can talk about it or keep that open communication and say, hey, sometimes I struggle with like what I should eat or do I look okay in this? But I know that we're, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, 
we just want to make sure that we're um, doing the right things for our body. And it's not, it's not skinny. Isn't the, the number on the scale doesn't mean anything, all of that kind of stuff. But I think to wrap that up is just you be the living example. Cause even one of my girlfriends, when I was going through this, like, I just, I'm like, I wasn't going to the club. I wasn't going for walks. I was like, I feel like that might be triggering to my daughter. She's like, you know what you showing your daughter, how to take care of yourself in a good way, going out for a walk, sitting and meditating, eating right. That's shouldn't be triggering. If it's triggering to her, then that's on her. You can just be that living example of what it's like to take care of yourself in the right way. And again, and that you're real, you deal with your own struggles and to be that kind of like bouncing off point. And then you're a safe space to say, Hey, be, you know, be open, say, Hey, I want to, I'm here to support you. It's tough. It's tough, especially with today's social media and all that. It's so focused on image and what we look like. I've got, I've gone through that whole stuff myself and how the more we can lift our kids up and not focus on that and say, wow, how are you feeling today? How are you doing today? How's the, again, not be so focused on, you know, focused on the looks or focused on all of that stuff. Like, Hey, focused on them and who they are as a person. Thanks for that. Um, Tell me also about one of the things that you talked with Dr. Rob Kelly about was, uh, or that he talked went into was treatment facilities and, you know, how do you choose if you are at a place where you need that, that degree of professional help, um, how do you choose a place? Uh, because, you know, he was saying not all of them are in the business for the right reasons. And some of mm-hmm. them, even the ones that are well-intentioned, they're not going to be perfect and they're going to make mistakes in the way that they care for you or for your loved ones. So can you, if, if it's okay, could you talk to us mm-hmm. about some of it, just about the process, I guess, and any advice that you have for people that, you know, have a loved one who is in need of some professional support in, rec- in their recovery of whatever kind that, you know, what were some of maybe the things to look out for? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, um, I mean, it got to the point with our daughter, again, we were trying to help and, you know, get her the help that she needed with a therapist and a dietitian. I thought that was, that would do it, you know? And I do remember getting to a point where I'm like, I think we need some more help here. We need some other inner intervention. And, um, and again, just that first statement of like, it's okay to, again, to ask for help. And it gets to the point where if you have a child that's struggling and you just, it gets to the point where we can't be the police, even outside of treatment. If your kids are struggling, find them somebody to talk to, find them a therapist, their social worker in high school, um, the pastor at their, you know, the youth pastor at their church or something like that, find them somebody to talk to. And really specifically, if they're struggling with something very specific like drugs, eating, that kind of thing, get a a really specific therapist for that, as well as the dietitian and stuff like that. But if you feel like it's something that you just can't handle at home, um, you know, all of, I uh, support an organization called the Alliance for Eating Disorders. It was a place that I could call and say, okay, this is what's going on. We got some OCD, we got some binging, we got some anorexia, whatever it is. And can you direct me to a place that's close to me or we want to go here or whatever? And they were a great resource to help us when we really needed um, a much higher level of care. Um, I mean, I live in a suburb of Chicago and we have great facilities around here. So that's what I did when we needed some more help. I took her to a, a place here that deals with anxiety and eating disorders and stuff like that. And we had her go in for an evaluation. 
And I think that that's, again, important is to just take your child's to get evaluated by those experts. And then they can tell you because we, we don't know what they need. And sometimes we don't know what they're going through. And there, those experts can ask those questions and do the medical assessments and stuff like that to know, and then say to you, okay, this is what we recommend for them. And, you know, they'll know some, you know, resources as well. But um, Rob and I had a great conversation about that and that there's great facilities that do great work. But the fact of the matter is we're not all the same, you know? So my needs are different than your needs and my things that I'm going through. So it's hard to have a facility that's going to help everybody. And I did have that fear and I saw it to be true that sometimes they get different ideas from the people that are in the treatment facilities with them. You know, they get the ideas, they get the bad ideas as well as the good ideas. So, you know, I spoke with somebody a couple of weeks ago who have a daughter who's struggling in high school. And as we talked through things, I said, you need to get her some help. You need to call some place. She shouldn't be at home with you because she was, you know, she was basically making the rules. The kid was and wasn't hardly eating anything all day, you know, had a job, had all this stuff. I'm like, and had lost 35 pounds in like three months. I go, that's not good. You, as much as again, she, I could tell she was like, I'm, well, I'm doing everything I can. I'm doing, you know, yeah. But there comes to a point where you need to get some professional help. And if it's just, and I said to her, I said, take her to your, your family doctor, the family doctor, if he's a good doctor, he'll say, this isn't normal for a teenager. Like what else is going on? And then they'll make some recommendations. So okay. that takes that off of the parent, because sometimes we, again, we feel like, I mean, the amount of guilt and shame I went through thinking I caused this. I mean, eating disorders, they say there's a genetic component to it. I'm like, oh, so that means because I had one, she has one. Well, that's a awful amount of guilt that you can take on yourself as a mom going, great. Now she's in the shits. And so that's because I, because it's all because of me. That's a hard that was a hard pill to swallow. And it wasn't all because of me. There's there's all kinds of components and stuff like that. But it's tough to deal with that. And it's, you know, so we feel like we've done something wrong when our kids are struggling. We feel like it's all our fault. And yeah. it really, it really isn't. I do want to get back to something you said too, that please when you're talking about the kids growing up and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, because I ha- did go through this, you know, just recently with our, our oldest son got married and um, it is, it's, I don't know what, if you want to call it boundaries or what it is, but it is that it's a little bit of that, but it's also that idea of letting go and surrender with our kids and you'll get there. I mean, your, your kids are younger, Yeah. but it is a, it does. We move from this, like we're taking care of them. We can tell them what to do. We have more control over them. Sit down, eat this, do that kind of stuff, go to bed to a point that they're like doing their own thing. Yeah. And there is this shift that you have to make to be like, you know, and it's, it can be a beautiful thing. And I saw that this weekend with our son and I'm so blessed to have a great relationship with him and to have that, you know, I I couldn't say that we're friends, but we're just on that more adult to adult type of relationship now. Yeah. And it's a really wonderful thing. And I just loved our weekend. It was just such a great weekend, but it gets to the point when kids struggling or just going on in life, just kids in general, you have to let them go. You have to say, I hope what I did was okay. And Hey, I'm always here to talk to. And like with our daughter, like somebody said to me from one of the treatment places when I was just so like 
will she ever get better? And will like, will she, I mean, seriously, she was in she attempted suicide. I mean, she was in a very bad spot for many, many years. And um, this one therapist said, you know what? The couple of things I can give you advice for is never lose hope. We never lose hope for our kids, right? But she said, give up all expectations that she'll recover. It's like, what? Wow. I mean, that's <laughs> that's a pretty hard, but it's really, but it's that idea of surrender. Like yeah. it gets to a point where, okay, you have to like give them over to somebody else and like, just say, okay, I'm here. Like, this is what I advise you to do. This is what I recommend you do. And, but it's up to you. You, it's your life. You run that. There are plenty of times that I said to my daughter, you know what, the way you're talking to me is not acceptable. And so either we can change the conversation or I'm going to hang up. I would have never said that like five years ago, <laughs> but I yeah. learned how to do that to stand up to myself. I've done that with my other kids who didn't have an eating disorder, but they're having a shitty time in college and they're calling me and bitching. And I was like, okay, I'm here to listen, but do you want to keep bitching about it? Or do you want to hear my advice? Or do you want to talk about something else? It's those like you get into this different, I don't know if that makes sense, but you get into this yeah. different yeah. dynamic with your children. And um, it's that, okay, you just have to kind of let them go. I mean, I've been in support groups where a lady said, she goes, my sister, I haven't heard from her in years. I think she's living on the streets in LA. You know, she's been a drug addict for years. I mean, that's like, hard. it's like, wow, yeah. But that's hard. Like when it's your own child and she calls and says, yeah, I'm leaving this facility because, I, you know, they suck and this isn't good for me. And so I'm going to go someplace else. Then she hangs up. I'm like, how am I supposed to go on with my life? But it's that, again, you have to kind of surrender and say, okay, I did the best I could. And our kids are going to live their lives the way they're going to live them. And hopefully they're going to, you know, go on the right path. And sometimes they don't, but we got, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, yeah. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think there's a, you know, we hear the words, especially as a, as an old army guy, you know, the, the idea of surrendering um, or letting go, like I'm, you know, I'm trained and, and conditioned to control situations and to, you know, to manipulate things so that they achieve a desired outcome so that the mission's completed. Um, but that transfers over into my life in other ways. Yeah. Right. And so the idea of surrendering when it comes to my kids, I, you know, almost because I know I'm, I tend towards the micromanager and control over controlled personality um, as a homeschool dad, I've been, I've leaned more towards an unschooling approach where, you know, from even an early age, like I'm, there's so much independent study that we're doing. It's a way of, that I'm like practicing already to say, like, I, I can't like put, take all of my, my kids education on myself either. Like, even though I'm the homeschool dad, like, and mm -hmm. it is my responsibility. It doesn't mean that, that I can still surrender in that process you know, and I don't know if this is the best analogy to use homeschooling with an eating disorder, but I think it, it, it could apply to alcohol recovery or just to family relationships or that I'm thinking about in my own life where I have to surrender and let go. It doesn't mean that I absolve myself of all responsibility for those situations. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that I, that I've given up. It just means that I've, I've surrendered the, uh, the, maybe it's the control piece. I've, I've surrendered mm -hmm. control of the situation and accepted that, you know, I, I can only do my best and that sometimes I can overdo. Sometimes I can, sometimes I can do too much all out of good intentions. And, um, 
So yeah, it's kind of like that surrendering, but it's surrendering and then trusting, trusting the universe or trusting yeah. that what you did was okay and trust that they're going to be okay. It's that kind of taking the hands off the steering wheel or somebody said to me in a, in a support group, like I needed to get off the roller coaster. Yeah. So you're not like, you're, you're kind of getting off the car of the roller coaster that they're in. It separates you out a little bit from that. And um, you're not so, you're not so close and say, okay, whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Well, and even as you're talking, yeah, as you're talking, I know most of our, most of my audience will be listening and they can't see as you're talking, you're kind of opening your hands and holding them out, like just holding it out. And that, it reminds me of a way that, you know, back in my praying days when I would say, you know, there was this sense of like, I'm holding on to something and, you know, like, God, please take this from, you know, God, please, I'm trying to, I'm giving you the situation, but God's God or the universe or whatever can't take a situation that you continue to hold on to. So I always yeah. talk to people about praying with open hands and being mm-hmm. able to, to relinquish. So it's still there, you know, I can still hold, I can still touch it, but I, but it's the clenching. That's the, that's the problem or that can, can that can be the problem. Cause you know, we obviously have to clench and, and, and because of the way we raise our kids, we we have to be so hand literally hands on with them mm-hmm. from the time that they're little. That can be hard to physically let go. How much harder emotionally? But I just I think that's such a beautiful uh, thing. <laughs> Say beautiful. I mean beautiful in a difficult but true way. Yeah. <laughs> like right. It's it's beautiful in like that. I don't want to accept that that's true, but I know that it's yeah. right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> well, there's those books, you know, I have, I have a bunch of them. It's the power of the praying wife. It's the power of the praying yeah. mother, the power of the praying woman. Like it's that idea that we can, um, we can pray, we can, you know, we can do what we can do. And then the rest is up to, yeah. you know, the universe and your, your child or, you know, your spouse that's struggling or whatever the case is. And, um, and they talk about like forgiving and all that, like, well, forgiveness isn't about the other person. The forgiveness is about us and us dealing with the stuff that's, I've had to go through a lot of forgiveness for myself feeling like, okay, you are a good mom and you did not cause this. And like all of that kind of stuff. Well, Wonder, this has been such a, great conversation. Um, what I've asked all the guests in this season is if you had, and it's a, it's a tough question. If you had 30 seconds left in your life to just say one more thing to the world, you know, you had one last chance to kind of impart some wisdom or encouragement, or you got a platform of, you know, a a few hundred people here that, that listen to this show every month. So what would you say to the few hundred of us that, um, you've graced with your presence here today? I think, um, it's the idea that love always wins. And so, you know, lead with love, you know, and that means showing yourself love, showing other people love. And really people just, I think everybody just wants to be seen, heard and appreciated. And if we can just spread the love around the world, then we're all, then the world can be, you know, a better place. I think we get so wrapped up in life and all of this stuff. And um, if we lead with love, then I think it's a good way to be. Awesome. So thanks again, Moira, for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to staying connected with you. And again, check out her podcast, Juggling the Chaos of Recovery. I'll link it in the show notes. And until next time, Al and Moira and I bid you adieu with our best sober vibes by saying goodbye, alcohol, and mwah. 
Hello, <laughs> life. <laughs> Much love to you all and peace.